This is the Making Books podcast. I'm author Polly Ho Yen, and this is a podcast documenting the often slow, sometimes agonizing, but also, let's face it, ridiculously exciting art of creating books. Each week, I'll be talking to a writer, illustrator, or industry expert about what their life is really like when they've dedicated it to making books. Hello, welcome to episode 12 of the Making Books podcast. This week I'm chatting to Elmi Wilson, who is a fantastic children's writer. She writes fantasy stories. Her debut was called A Girl Called Owl, and she's written many more since. Um, We met in person in a little cosy nook in Amy's house, um, and we get into talking about how writing can kind of work around what you're doing. Um, It's lovely to hear Amy talk about, like, how she is thinking and being inspired on the school run or going for a supermarket shop. Um, So I hope you enjoy it. Here she is, Amy Wilson. Yeah, this is what we hear when we hear you speak. Is that freaking you out? It's very husky. (laughs) Well, Amy, thanks for doing this because I know you've not been well. And this morning, though, when I got into my car and there was frost on the outside and on the inside wow. of the windscreen. I thought, perfect day, perfect day to talk to you. Frosty. Queen of the frost. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and as I was chipping it away and the flakes were, like, falling down onto my dashboard, I thought, this is... <gasps> You're covered in a flurry. Yeah, I thought yeah. you'd love this. This is your area. It, I do, except at seven in the morning it can be challenging. And last mm. week I lost my um, ice scraper, so oh. I was trying to do it with a spatula... That doesn't work. Little tip, any card, like a credit card. Oh, a credit. Well, you know, maybe you didn't want, maybe you didn't want to use a credit card, but if you've got any other kind of card. A card would be better than a spatula. A library card. Yes. Or something. Oh, anyway, I'm not going to list all the possible <laughs> cards you might have in your wallet. We did the whole warm water thing in the end and that was it was okay. But anyway, anyway, the frost is a lot of fun. If yes. you're not in a hurry. Yes. You don't have to be somewhere especially. Yeah. yeah. In fact, especially, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, that makes me think of your stories because it's sort of, you know, we. I feel like when I read, when I read your books, you kind of, you kind of slow down, you become mm-hmm. immersed in this fantasy world. So could you tell us how it began for you? Where did you, when did you start writing uh, your debut? Hold on, I've got my notes here was in 2017 wasn't it yeah that's right um so I think where shall I start if I start with I mean well when I was a kid I wrote but I wrote poems that were songs so I'd be singing along and then I'd find some words and I'd write them down and if I had any application I might have learned some music and then Maybe it would have been songs, but actually it was poetry. Yeah. What I called poetry. In fact, when you answered the door to me, you had a... (laughs) My mandolin. A mandolin. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I actually, I find it really useful. I'm sitting in my chair and I'm not actually writing. I'm just looking at the light or looking outside or looking at something. I find it quite helpful to have my mandolin and I don't play. I'm just literally flicking my fingers at the strings. Well, this sounds very... um mindful it is mindful i suppose it's also probably quite annoying if you happen to hit because it's not music it's just bling plong experimental but, music yeah but i find i think it's something having something in my hands and the notes that resonate um so so yeah so i mean yeah the mandolin is good uh, although actually they're really hard to play because yes. they've got double strings yeah you've got 
um, uncalloused fingers. Yeah, quite to, hard work. Yeah. So that's why I flick. Anyway, um, so yeah, music's always been a thing, but writing more. And then um, it was, I always, always wanted to write. I always knew that was the only thing actually that I wanted out of my life was to write yeah. um, and obviously it takes you know it takes a long time sometimes well I mean writing does take a long time um by the time Owl came out I had had so this is a girl called a Owl. girl called Owl was my was my third book actually oh was it oh. no I mean third, third of that I had written you're right okay so two yeah. of them were rejected along the way um and then I had sent something, one of those two rejected ones, to my now agent, right. Amber. And she liked my writing, so she said, what else have you got? So I sent her the other finished one, thinking it would slip that in there. And then I sent her A Girl Called Owl, which had three chapters. Um, and it just had the beginning, really. So I sent that, and of course that was the one. She said, well, yes, this is the one. This is what we want to work on. Wow, wow. Um so that was that was really how my publishing journey started. So your first two were they similar, also fantasy, sort of, and for children's. Uh, they were fantasy. So one was called Grotesque, um, and that was a, it was a sort of vampire story, but they weren't vampires. They were stonemasons, and they could put all their magic into the stone, and the gargoyles would speak. Oh. Which, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I got really inspired by St. Mary Redcliffe, the church in Bristol, which is just amazing. Um, and then there was another one that was pure fantasy. It was like other world fantasy. Um, yeah, magic is all I really want to... to ex- I want to experience it. Yeah. And, you know, I can find it in the real world and in, in what I'm looking at or what I'm seeing in things. But to actually have a play with magic, I have to be writing or reading it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they were all fancy, but not all for not all middle grade. I'd say they're more YA the ones right, that came okay. before. Yeah, yeah. And so you'd completed those fully. How would that? How would that be? Kind of writing those, you know, without an agent. Kind of yeah. Did, what did you did you find like you wanted more support or you liked hiding it away or because I think it. I think everyone finds what really works for them sometimes in that first those those early those Mm. first early books that's true I think well the first one I wrote while I was doing my MA in creative writing at Bath Spa so I did you know I obviously had that collaborative thing going on there yeah and work that was marked and assessed and conversations with tutors um including Mimi Sibo who I've worked with over the years as well um so so that was really helpful uh, but I think I was very much still learning what yeah. my voice was mm-hmm. and, yeah, w- what I wanted to say, I suppose. I, mean, I still don't always know what I want to say, but hopefully it comes out as you're writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I have taken characters from those books and put them in the books that I write now. Right. So yeah. I've stolen characters from them and some scenarios as well. So I never felt that it was wasted and I think I was so determined that it wasn't an option to stop. Just yeah. keep writing all the bits and bobs. Yeah, yeah. And see what happened. Really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think determination, persistence, like that is like the the number one trait you need as a writer. <laughs> like, yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, like you know, you can always you can always get better, but if you but you have to not give up, basically. Yeah, and I think that's also the gift of writing is that 
If there's no time limit, if you're here, if you exist and you have paper and you have, or you have a laptop or you have a phone, you can write. Yeah. Um, and not to say that it's going to be easy or that the first draft's going to come out singing, but you know, there is, there is no, I don't need to stop. I can just keep writing. Yeah. And just keep doing it. So what stage, so you mentioned the MA, but so what, what, what was going on when, at your life at that point during when you were doing your MA or, and when you were, wrote that second one and then when you found your agent for a girl called Al, what was going on for you life-wise? Um, so I had had two children by then. So I think my son, my, my son was about, 18 months old when I started the MA. So pretty wee. Yeah, very. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's quite flexible. So there wasn't, it was okay, it, it worked. Um, and I think I did it because I'd just been faffing about really before that. Yeah. And not really having much conviction, never finishing anything. This is my big struggle is to finish something. I'm, I love to start things. You know, they're so full of possibility. But finishing things is a real problem. And so I think I thought that if I did the MA, having taken time and money... Investing in yourself. Investing in it, that I would have to finish it. It would not be an option yeah. to do the MA and not see this through. Yeah. Because I had to make it feel like it had been something that... Um, you know, was was worth doing. Yeah, and yeah, um, was worth those little sacrifices. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah. So that is that's where I was. Uh, I had some sad things happen along that way as well. Lost mm-hmm. my brother. Right, right. Um, Sorry. And all of those things go in, don't they, to your melting pot? Yes, and into your writing. I also think, like any anything that just makes you feel like you really want to connect with doing the thing that makes you feel alive Mm. like can really kind of give you that prompt to be like okay this is the time the time is now absolutely (laughs) um let's you know like gives you some urgency yeah 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 it can do it can do um so how did you find the ma oh i loved it What's it, what's it like? I've never done an MA. No. Uh, well, I hadn't ever done any. So I'd gone from my A-levels to being um, to being a trainee reporter on my local paper. So I'd not done any further education before that. Right. Um, so it was it was lovely because it was lovely to feel like this is the space and the time for writing. Yeah. And there's no conflict about that. There's no like, oh, shall I put some washing on? Shall I? You know, it wasn't. This is like, this is my time. This is what I'm doing. And then you sit in a room of other writers yeah um and go through your work and obviously sometimes that's a bit painful so this is like the feedback that you'd get yeah from so you have a workshop yeah. um and you share your work and other people tell you what they think of it um and you have to be pretty resilient yeah. for that yes. and I think again that's where determination comes in because there's this there's this um you have to listen to what people are saying, but you don't necessarily have to agree with them. Yes. And you have to take on board where they're coming from versus where you're coming from. Yes. Are they your audience? Yeah. Um, and try and navigate that to improve your work. Yes, yeah. And, and if everyone is saying the same thing, it's probably, you know, something that you need to factor in. Yeah. But also keeping sense of your own agency in there. Yeah, I mean, that's just like a a real real fine line it's a real juggle isn't it and a real balancing act of like feeling like protective over what you know you're doing yeah as well as like 
being flexible and fluid to take in you know advice and feedback that's going to ultimately make it a much better story yeah and that's great learning for the publishing industry because um i mean i've never written a first draft that's that's been untouched yeah i kind of every time i send something i think maybe this time but um but no it's not i don't think it's you know you you need that process you need yeah that editing process i almost like I've, i i almost wonder if i lean too heavily on that now because i'm like well, it's just a first draft, so come on, I want to hear, you know, I need some help with this now, I need another pair of eyes, I want to hear, you know, if it, what's working, what's not working. Yeah. Um, and yeah, sometimes I, I wonder if I'm a bit too quick sending the send button, like, come on, right, yeah, come on, I need, I need some help with this now. I think I'm probably with you with that, actually, I send all sorts of bits and bobs to my agent, <laughs> yeah. I know other people would, would, wouldn't, you know, and I, but I, like you, I like I like that pointer. Yeah. I don't necessarily have to go with everything that's said, but I really appreciate having someone else's view on it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially, I guess when you're at the point where you're working with an agent, it's, you know, that relationship is so built on trust and understanding. Mm. Um, but a different proposition from working, from being in a workshop, I imagine it would take time to know who the writers are in that workshop that you felt like, Yes, okay, yeah, I, I think that trust is there with you. Yeah. Um. Or maybe, or maybe not, was that? I think, I don't know, I think it's it's a good environment because there are so many of you and everybody does come from a different place. So actually I think it's quite obvious when there is something that you're doing yeah. that just doesn't work because yeah. it's a wide variety of people who are giving you feedback generally yes okay and yeah if they're all saying i don't know this voice isn't working or couldn't connect with this yeah, yeah. then then yeah. i think there's definitely something there yes it might not be quite what you're hearing but there's something there and conversely if they love a character love the setting you can feel confident in that that's right which I think is really useful and I think it is useful um I think sometimes it can feel when you're putting words down even though it's a first draft and you know it's going to change um I think it can feel like this it's almost uh because it's come partly from your subconscious you can't touch it it's this beautiful thing and like you can't go into that and change it but of course you do have to. Yeah. Like, that is part of the journey. Yeah. And I yeah. think learning that is really useful. Yeah, definitely. yeah. So when you were working as a reporter, did you find that was a good training for writing books? I think so. I think, I mean, I would get in in the morning at 8 a.m. and sometimes have to write the story for the for that day's paper. Yeah. So that's by like 9 o'clock. You've had to write your first story and send it. Um, and so there's no time yeah. faffing about. And there's also not a lot of time for lots of words. There's no extra words. It's just exactly the words you need to convey that story. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you learn. Um, you learn to be responsive and you learn how to use your words succinctly to get this message across, mm-hmm, to tell mm-hmm. the story in as few words as you can. Yeah. And I do think that's quite helpful. Yeah. I think. And also then, you know, in the similar way your words get edited. Yeah. And then they go on 
written to the paper and everyone's reading them and sometimes people don't like them and so you I think you possibly build a bit of resilience there yeah. you know not, not everything that you do is going to be loved by everybody <laughs> <laughs> marmite <laughs> but were you but you were always thinking when you were reporting but ultimately I want to go into writing fiction definitely I mean I would I would write in the well I would I would try to write in the evenings and at weekends I wasn't very disciplined about it and I think also if you've been writing all day yeah it it comes in some ways from the same place it's quite hard to yeah to overwork that when you get home yeah um and so I think you know it was when I had the children really that I got the space bit of time out from my career Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to think about writing fiction and to really give that a chance yeah yeah okay so take us back to you've met amber your agent and she's liked your beginnings for a girl called owl what was that like then to write from there did it come kind of easily what was your process uh i think it came relatively easily because we'd had this because I was very lucky, she liked it at three chapters long. So then we had a conversation about what it was going to be and what my ideas were. And she had her some suggestions of her own, which were really useful. Um, and I think that then the first draft, yeah, went went pretty smoothly. It needed some structural changes then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and quite a lot of editing um before we went out with it on submission how long did it take to write um i think from that first so from talking i don't know it was probably between three and six months pretty quick yeah well i think i was very focused once i had somebody who was interested yeah yeah. and who'd given me this time and feedback you know it was like right we're getting there so i think yeah that helped drive me forward really I think that's another thing that can be quite difficult you're just sitting at home on your own and you're writing and there's no deadline and there's no sort of forward momentum that Mm -hmm. can be quite difficult to write in I think yeah so it was just really nice to have an aim yeah a bit of a deadline and then how was it going on submission um well I had I had my daughter my third child while we were on submission I think I'll put things in perspective <laughs> so I remember because we were having so we did our house wasn't big enough for three children so we decided to have to do an extension at the same time wow so so, so much going on so much going on and so then we moved out because it got delayed as these things do so we had actually moved out and we were living in this funny little um, bungalow um, in a different town entirely and um, because we couldn't live in this house with with the baby. It was too cold and it was wintry. And so we were in this house and that's when I got the call from age, from Amber that um, somebody had made an offer for ah. a girl called Al. And I remember sitting there in this house that wasn't mine with this tiny baby. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so it was quite surreal really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really surreal. Yeah. And I think... It takes me a little while for reality of things to set in, especially when it's been a dream for so long. Um, I'm not always the best at a big reaction. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's great. And then I'm just going to go away and think about that a minute. And, and, And 
a poor Amber's like, come on, I want to see excitement. I want to feel this is really great. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it like, is. I just, yeah, just but I haven't slept for <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, a few weeks. And yeah, I yeah, there's, yeah, I could imagine it must have felt like, yeah, your reactions to these things do feel strange, I think. Yeah. Um, it takes time to like them to catch up, I yeah, think. Yeah, process. But I mean, obviously, completely wonderful news and as we went forward and got started going through that process you know it felt yeah just it's a lovely feeling it's very lucky feeling yeah yeah but was it what was it like then juggling you know a newborn or very young baby while you were then meeting your editor getting edits back and working on that for the first time oh I think I'm better when I'm busy and juggling. You know, there's that thing where you give the job to the person who's the busiest and they'll get it done. And I think I'm better when I'm up against it a little bit. Yeah. And I find my writing comes better almost when I'm trying to fit it in around other things. Yes, okay. It's that that feeling of when you've got a book that you're really enjoying and so the book comes everywhere with you and you're stirring dinner while you're reading. Just trying to read a couple of pages here. You know, whatever whatever you're doing around the house, you're reading as well. Yeah. And when it's going well, that's what my writing is like. Yeah. I can just write a bit here and a bit there and that feels really nice. Yeah. I'm not really someone... um, I can see the value of when when it comes to editing I think there's value in shutting yourself away and having total focus but for the first draft for me I think I almost prefer yeah just writing it as and when I can yeah and just Um, making those snatches really count yeah when they do then yeah and then you kind of it's almost like the journey's coming with you on everything you're doing yeah it's like I'm on the school run but I'm not really (laughs) (laughs) I'm away with Al (laughs) oh brilliant that's fantastic so you so do you write everywhere then Mm. yeah um I do and I'd, I'd like to sort of it almost feels like I should have a space and I should and I sort of try to have a space but I'm never in the space when I'm writing and I find notebooks very difficult um, I have so many that I've started and not finished that I feel guilty about. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't. I wish I had some sort of concrete. This is what I do, and this is how it works. But it feels very organic and very. Yeah. It's all in my subconscious. It's not. It just has. It comes out when it does, and I'm not really. I feel like I'm not really in charge of that. <laughs> I just have to have some faith that it'll come back again. <laughs> well, I think that it's nice to know that that's what works, isn't it? Like, in a way, like if you've got something that's really rigid, like oh, it has to be between this time and that time, mm. and I, you know, I need, I need absolute silence or whatever, mm. you know, whatever, and then you know invariably life's not going to throw you those conditions so no like having that flexibility to just be like okay I can do it on on the go and around life and family life as it unfolds is is great yeah and I think it is I mean sometimes you think oh well if I could do it I'll do it tomorrow and then tomorrow I'll do it next week and there is a risk yeah in that that you don't actually sit down and do it because you just keep telling yourself wow do it tomorrow um and so I think that that's where having a deadline 
is really useful. Yeah, yes, um, yeah. Because you might go right up against it, but I'm a big believer in a deadline. Like, <laughs> I like to meet a deadline. Um, so, I, you know, we did get there. Yeah. <laughs> and so are you writing on your computer or your phone? Um, so I tend to write notes on my phone, actually, because that's what I have with me. Um, though I have notebooks, and they're usually in the wrong place at the wrong time. I so, know, I, I share your guilt about unfinished oh, yeah, notebooks. Know. I'm trying just to just work through them now and just not be too is it's that feeling like you want to put something good into them yeah. and and then as soon as you have that thought you can't finish it or yeah it's funny I just want it to be organized um, <laughs> a bit, and almost so this is my current thing at the moment is I'm going to make myself a notebook I'm going to make a collagey messy battered thing nice that yeah. I can write in and not worry about what goes on what page yeah yeah or that the here's a half finished story so now I'm going to start another story and that might be half finished and then I'll write something else yes and yeah I think the idea of starting out with something messy yes that's, no definitely yeah <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna work but I'm gonna have some fun with Mod Podge anyway yeah <laughs> I think that will work I think yeah just kind of not being too precious about it is always is always good Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry, you so you're mostly writing your notes on your phone, and then and then come to the laptop when you yeah. can around yeah. when things are happening. I I love this. I just feel like yeah, you're on the school run, but you're also like dictating <laughs> dialogue into your phone <laughs> at the same time. It's just in my head, and I think as long as I keep it there, so I'm probably not a great conversationalist <laughs> on the school run. Um, but as long as I as long as I stay in the world. I can come back to it. Yeah. Um, and it's living inside me while I'm while I'm doing these things. Which actually I really love because like I said, I I really love living in a world where there's magic. Yeah, yeah. And so I'll try and keep it with me. And so can you t- I mean it sounds yeah, it sounds like um well, magical the way <laughs> <laughs> you connect with your stories. So can how do you how have they come to you, the yeah, the, the, the your story ideas, if they it feels like it feels like it's probably going to be quite organic, but, and yeah, I'd love to know how that kind of develops for you. Um, I think there's always a first three chapters, which is just voice. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Usually a girl, usually a girl who's feeling lost and not really making sense of the world around them or has questions about identity, family, the world. Um, and that voice comes to me and I write it down um a girl called Al for example I had just bought this tiny little notebook with an owl on it and it was um it was based on a painting ah there's an owl painting there's an owl painting up there oh and, oh, sorry I hadn't noticed your lovely girl called Al posters as well <laughs> um yeah so that owl there has very bright yellow eyes and yeah. it was on the front cover of this notebook and it was really staring at me and I had about 10 minutes in the cafe because my husband was parking with the kids. I sat in the cafe and I wrote a girl called Al. Why would someone call a, call a girl Al? And that was really the beginning of Al. It was like, right. why yes. is this girl called Al? There must be some sort of magical reason. There must be some magical heritage there. Um, so that's where that began really with Owl and her mother and this secret over who her father was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't know that at the beginning when you wrote those first three chapters? I or? knew 
What did I know? I knew that her mother had called her out and that her mother had never really explained why. Yeah. And so I think from that I knew that there was a secret yeah. somewhere yeah. about her heritage. Um, and I grew up from the age of 11 in a single parent family um, with my mum and my siblings. And so I think the idea for me of a father has always been slightly nebulous. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes I've wondered, because my father died when I was 11, I've wondered, you know, who is he? Who was he? Mm-hmm. Can I find him yeah. out in the world? Yeah. And, I mean, of course I can't, but but it's like that thing of walking through somewhere, a shopping centre, looking at people, thinking, what if you were? Or what if that was? And I guess <laughs> getting distracted by the idea of possibility in yeah. who your father might be. And that was what Al had going on. Yeah, yeah. And of course, when she finds out who her father is, it's very exciting. Yeah. Um, because he's Jack Frost. Um, because, you know. And when did you, when did you decide on that? On Jack Frost. Mm-hmm. That was a conversation with Amber, actually. Right. I had the frosty, wintry, kind of slightly wild fae figure in my head. Um, and we talked about that. And I think she was one who said, well, why can't he be Jack Frost then? And I was like, oh, why can't he? And I think commercially that obviously helps because he's a recognisable figure. He's a he's a creature of legends. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so bringing him in like that allowed me to play with his legacy and that whole Fey world. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Mm. So you like so it sounds like free write that you often free write those first three chapters to find the voice. That's so you right. have like a sort of bit of mystery that you're kind of interested in unlocking yeah so the first three chapters goes generally and that's really exciting and I love that bit and then we stop and that's where I get stuck and that's where I think I need to have a plan yeah um and that's hard and there's almost a resistance in me which is most unhelpful it's like if I work out everything that's going to happen in this story I don't need to write it yeah (laughs) because I already know but actually (laughs) completely counterintuitive, you know, <laughs> counterproductive because the, the whole point is to write the story and to write it well and to have these sort of key points along the way at least where you know this thing's going to happen and that's going to make sense of this. Um, but that does take me quite a while sometimes. So talk us through your second book then. That was Faraway Magic? Faraway Magic, yes. Um, Faraway Magic is um, about a boy called Bavar, who is magical. He has this enormous, incredible power. And it's his job, his familial job, is to fight the monsters in the skies over his house. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to have magic. He was frightened, I think, of his parents and the sort of magic they ex- exhibited. So his idea is to go to school and be invisible because he can use that power to make himself invisible. And so that's what he's doing. He's this sort of six foot six figure going through school completely invisible. Right. And then a new girl starts and she's had her own history, her own connection with these monsters. And she sees him. She's like, who is that? Um, and so really the story is of them working together I suppose, to deal with all their demons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
But it's funny because Bavar originally it was just him. It was just a one person point of view. Yeah, first person. Um, and I couldn't make him. To, I couldn't make him talk to me. <laughs> I, 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 we didn't go anywhere. I kind of knew what the story was, but I couldn't get him out. And it was only when I brought Angel in who was so opposite to him, so curious and so invested and determined, that he began to talk to her. Yeah. Or they connected with each other, which meant that I could tell the story. Ah, <laughs> it's great though when you realise that, like, ah, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it, they just need a peer. Yeah. And then that friction mm-hmm. and that rubbing against will unlock that character yeah, to exactly. you. It's a good... Yeah, it's a good one to think of, actually, just for general character development, isn't it? Rather, sometimes you can spend so long thinking about their, you know, working out all those details before you Mm. begin sometimes, but actually thinking about them in conversation with, yeah, a a slightly opposite peer. I think dialogue's really useful for that, because, Mm. well, for me, I think it's dialogue where their wit comes out. Yes. And where all those small stories, small things that make up a character, but perhaps you hadn't had that in your plan yes that's where all those things come out yeah. and, and you get that connection between two people yeah the energy of a conversation yeah such as we're having now absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so did you so was that under contract were you um so were you how did you find kind of working with your editor for that did you have to submit a synopsis or did you write it completely I think I wrote, again, the first three chapters in a synopsis um, and then we had various discussions about the synopsis and then I didn't follow the synopsis anyway. (laughs) 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 Um, And I think there was, you know, there is some toing and froing. I think the thing I was most worried about with that one was was that it was dual narrative and they're both first person present tense. Right. And I was a bit worried that at some point I would just fall off Mm -hmm. and, and none of it would gel. Yeah. And so I just, it was almost like I just had to charge ahead with that one and keep writing in, in a chronological order. Or I was going to lose lose, lose that connection. Um, so that, yeah. Um, yeah, that was how that one went. Ah. <laughs> and so I'm thinking about like the, what was the last book that you've written or what are you working on now? Do you feel like things have, your process has changed much since those early books? Um. I think there's a conviction now that I can do it. I can get to the end. Yes, yeah. That I can edit it and make it work, even if it doesn't work in the first draft. Uh, Lightning Falls was the last published book, and that was a ghost story, really, um, which was a lot of fun and brought in some different elements. Um, And then there is something in the pipeline, um, so that's exciting. Can't talk any more about it, but that was a really nice. I mean, I've written since Lightning Falls, and this last one that I've written, um, I really went for what I I wanted to write mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, more than ever. I think. Yeah. Um, it's again a story of someone coming of age, who, <coughs> excuse me, who um, is lost. Needs yeah. to find themselves, needs to find their friends, their people, their way in the world. And they've got kind of magic working against them, perhaps. And just trying to find their way through that. And I think that I always end up coming back to coming that. back to that same yeah. thing of somebody who just feels slightly at odds 
with the world around them with mm-hmm. the people around them and has to find their their way through that yeah 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 oh exciting mm. have you have you always been working with the same publisher um all of the books that are published are with the same publisher yeah ah, okay yeah, yeah yeah okay great yeah. <laughs> secrets <laughs> <laughs> love it <laughs> well it's really exciting to hear what that's coming next to you but I know you've got a house move on the horizon mm-hmm. but I'm not worried because I know that you'll just fit it in <laughs> as you're packing a box so or unpacking a box or in the removal van <laughs> actually the, the the I would rather write 10 million books than try to move house I am not a patient person by nature <laughs> at all and I think the fact that I'm in the publishing industry where patience is required and that, that now I'm trying to move house and patience and definitely patience is required yes. it's like this is my life lesson is definitely in patience and the thing is I don't have any <laughs> and so you know when you've been waiting on hold for a while and someone thanks you for your patience I say you don't have to thank me for my patience I didn't have any yeah. I, I, I don't have any I just need to be doing this thing so here I am <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for your patience well what other option have I got <laughs> I hey like, I really wasn't patient <laughs> turning the air blue <laughs> <laughs> yeah a house move is it turns everything upside down doesn't it how long have you been in this we're in we're in a lovely room there's a fire burning you've got this piercing owl looking at us from mm-hmm. the walls and lovely books and yeah it's such a nice space but yeah have you been how long have you been here have you... we've been here 17 years oh gosh okay yeah such a long time and when we moved in it was a two-bed house um, and obviously we've done a lot of work to it over the years and it's lovely, it's, you know, and we're very lucky having a safe home, having a, yes, yeah, you know, yeah. a house to raise your family is not something that I take for granted. Yeah, and so, yes, um, yeah. so it's been amazing, but I think it was just time really yeah. for a move for all of us. Yeah. We're not going very far. Um, and we're probably going to complicate our lives by having to go a bit further for school runs and things. But fingers but, crossed. Well, more time for you to think about character. This is actually the idea for Bavar came to me when I was in the car. I was driving the kids to Sainsbury's because <laughs> I saw a boy and he was coming towards us, and he was huge and he had all this amazing hair, and he was completely on his own. Aww. There were kids in front of him, and kids behind him, but he was like in a world of his own. He seemed invisible to them. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's what. So sometimes these small domestic or sort of ordinary things oh, can be such time. catalysts can't yeah, they yeah absolutely I completely agree and it's um I think it's sort of like it can feel like sometimes you think I need to crack down and closet myself down you know kind of really kind of make my world small to get mm. this done but actually if you're out in the world and seeing people and seeing hearing overhearing conversations and noticing the light you know or or any small thing you notice it's all like all goes in there all goes in doesn't it i think the small things for me if i if i think about it too long i think oh i I really should be striding the moors in my long coat (laughs) and and like i should be getting lost and eating some old hunk of bread on a wall and then i'm like oh no that's too much and then i just have to stay in because the whole thought of it has just paralyzed me yeah (laughs) whereas i can do a little trip to (laughs) because i have to yeah 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 or you know just a little walk around the block or it doesn't have to be the big stuff no absolutely in fact I think it's important that it's your everyday 
Mm. because it's authentic to you then that's true and then yeah if I yeah I kind of enjoy that kind of seeing you know really what your kind of really your live reality how that kind of comes into your fiction yeah and making that link um yeah I talk about that quite a lot on school visits Mm. and like yeah really trying to get you know sort of explain to kids that even when you feel like your life is quite boring which is you know, sometimes I used to feel like that. Like you'd read stories and think, my life isn't like this. <laughs> you know, looking out on sort of a road and sort of street lamps, think this isn't, you know, that, what, what is the poetry? Where is it? Um, <laughs> and then realizing actually it is always there. It, like yeah. it, it always is there if you can sort of tap into it. I think so. Um, I think it's really profound as well. When, when you get to the minutiae of people's lives. Yes. And you're honest about it, which is, something that you know takes a bit of bravery I think yes yeah it's really powerful yeah yeah yes oh well good luck with everything and thanks so much for talking us through thank you so much it's been really lovely thanks Amy (laughs) cheers Bye. bye big thanks to Amy for a lovely chat and um I'm looking forward to seeing how her handmade scrappy creative notebook turns out as well um and to see what are her next exciting projects which she sort of dropped in in a secretive exciting fashion in this chat um so thanks so much for listening bye